0: be involved with these stories, at least not most of the time. Enjoy the show. (laughs) This this, this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM. What is the safety war? It is the battle against everything that threatens our community, our workplaces, and our well-being. Here are some of the comments I get. Jim, it sounds conspiratorial. Well, maybe we should have a conspiracy to work safe. How does that sound? Jim, it sounds like some kind of sci-fi fantasy. Well, maybe the ways we mitigate hazards, the plans and the goals we all have are all fantasies and not based in reality. One thing is for sure, what we are doing ain't working. We have over 5,000 people dying a year in the workplace and another two and a half million workplace injuries. Maybe business as usual isn't getting us to where we need to be. What is our purpose? To empower you, to support you, challenge safety culture and business as usual. Why? Safe workplaces have leaders with confidence, motivation, and the grit to make the workplace safer. Those workplaces are positive, productive, and better places to work overall. So are you with us? Together we can make your workplace safer. We are looking to promote a new batch of safety leaders and cause a safety revolution. Join us at safetywars.com and safetyfm as we fight the safety war. For Safety Wars, this is Jim Posel. Yes, you like your hand signals and everything if you see me on the video stream. Yeah, we're here about having fun. Let's now we're going to talk to why we play that. Welcome to Safety Wars for Monday, August 7th, 2023. We are on the air this week. Why, why do we play the trailer here? And I'm going to play the trailer again. Maybe I'll redo it. How's that? We ha- that was done. We're in our third season here. Most people didn't think we'd make it out of 20 episodes. We're on like 260, 270, something like that. Plus the other online stuff uh, that we do. And uh, for example, I got called into a project uh, today and we had to do site-specific uh, training and what did i do i brought out so i i multitasked i said well i did this that's for this thing i videotaped the site-specific orientation or video recorded i'll say videotape the down the day i die video recorded it for playback give everybody a thing right so now we're able to do it. by the way i can do that In the next month or so, uh, we're redoing our website, and in the next month or so, you'll see some changes here. So, what was the deal with that trailer? So, you know, as everyone knows, I'm on the uh, you know, I'm on all these platforms: Facebook, X the (former Twitter), Instagram now, Telegram, three Facebook pages, YouTube. For some reason, LinkedIn is not working here on one stream, so we're going to have to figure that out. Why? So, we're here, we're talking, doing our thing, and I look at some of these other programs, and this was what I came across today. Uh, I won't mention the person's name because I don't know if he's talking about me, but it sounds like he's talking about us, and if they're talking about me, they're talking about you. Because the idea is always you. right? Talk to me. I have a pretty thick skin, but it's you, the listener, you, the viewer, you, the supporter of me. That no, it's not about me. It's about you. That they're talking about. We have shock jocks. This is not a direct quote, but we have shock jocks in our field right now. They get a lot of attention, and I'll try to listen to some of it. And all they are doing is trying to make fun of somebody or entertain. And what I am, what what am I gaining from that? How is that improving? My practice. How is that giving me ideas that will improve my situation and make it better uh, tomorrow than what I did today? What's the safety war? It's a war against everything that makes us unsafe. Basically, what do we talk about on this program? We talk about some social issues, right? That related to safety, demographics. We we talk about that. We talk about OSHA obviously epa news we talk about safety in the news that comes across our feed i have listeners and viewers send me stories i have people on the job sites that i go and audit and i work out they say hey jim hey maybe you want to go and uh you know cover this on your program we'll be listening here i say and i look into it and if it's appropriate i'll listen to it on the program i'll know if i can verify it uh get to the whole story the best we can we don't no, we're not perfect here. Uh, we're not perfect like Jay Allen, Todd Conklin, and Sheldon, and Sam, and Brent, and them. No, but we're trying to be. We're getting there. We are getting there, and Alan Warford, and all the other great people here on the network. But we're getting better. So that's what we're about here, is trying to help you in your workplace, see things a little bit differently. Uh, what's a shock jock? Right. Let's look that up. This is a dictionary definition. A shock jock is a radio broadcaster or DJ who entertains listeners and attracts attention using humor. Okay, I try to use humor. Okay. And or melodramatic exaggeration that may offend some portion of the listening audience. Can I ask you this question here? And I'm going to go out there. I, I don't know them. When do you ever learn anything from agreement? When do I ever learn anything from agreement? I I need people to go out there and challenge me. I have a dear friend, Lisa, right? Known her uh, through church for about 20... Ooh, coming up on 30 years. Hard to believe, like 27 years, 26 years uh, with her. Maybe 28. Anyway, she's a, cons- a good friend of mine because she consistently challenges me. Bob, our boy Bob up there, no, continuously challenges me. Jay Allen, hey, Jimmy, maybe you can think about this a little bit differently, blah, blah, blah. Hey, maybe you can work on this. Uh, Okay. Challenges. Constantly. I get that from everybody on the network here. That comes in contact. Hey, challenging. Hey, maybe you could do that. Maybe, hey, there's some disagreement. That's how you move forward, guys, often is through disagreement, and I'm not arguing, you're trying to facilitate a discussion and everything else, This is what this gentleman had said, a very prominent safety professional had uh, brought out here. Okay, we're facilitating, but what do you need? You need a couple of things to facilitate and instru- uh, facilitate this. You go to a co- safety conference, I've been to a number of them over the years myself, and we have what is called the echo chamber, we have out there everybody talking about uh, with other safety professionals here, right? That's YouTube, making sure I'm on. We have other, you know, what we're out, oh, yeah. Guess what? It's really easy to agree with another safety professional because another safety professional typically does not like to undermine another safety professional, right? So there's always agreement. There's very, oh, we're all, oh, we're all nice and polite, and we all hear about our Going out there talking about, oh, these are the hazards of this and this and this. And, you know, sometimes I learn something new. Right. And when I go to a safety conference, they have the breakout section sessions. I'm going to go to that one that I know nothing about. Maybe it's a little controversial to challenge me. Think, okay, maybe I'm going to learn a little bit more. Facilitator. We try to use humor here and to get people to rattle to say, hey, what, you know, Maybe I could um what am I doing here? Can I improve on it? One of the big problems that I see out there with safety professionals is lack of backbone. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, I'm fired up tonight. Yeah. Complete and total lack of backbone. How that so it's nice when you're out there and a fully self-actualized workplace where everybody's trying to work together, everybody's playing nice-nice, and everybody's at least willing to give you lip service. If you go over to one of our friends in the program, Safety Nights, the website, I'll give him a little plug there. You go over to Safety Nights, and one of the things that, that, that they said was during COVID, I didn't realize... How many people hated me? That was what one of the posters said over there. Because I asked them to put on a mask. I asked them to do social distancing. I asked them, and I fell on the safety professional for doing this. A lot of workplaces hate our guts. Not necessarily because of you, but because of another safety professional or someone who called themselves a safety professional. Maybe because of some policy that came down from management now it goes through you all number of issues you may not be the right demographic you may not be the right color you may not be the right nationality I've I've gotten all of this you may not uh, you know, may not be whatever there are people out there do you, do you understand that there's people out there in the workplace that how can I be polite in saying this Oh, I'm not going to be, are psychopaths. A lot of companies, you get these psychopaths out there that are high performers. They don't care about safety. Don't care. They're the confident person out there. They don't care. They don't care what you say. They don't care what you do. They don't care if you go home safely. They don't care. And they, they're they put into char- put in charge. In the construction industry, you have what is called the competent person. That competent person is supposed to go out there, do safe in- inspections, keep the job site safe, and there's a whole bunch of, if you're interested in taking the course, I can teach you uh, on how to be a competent person in construction. Many different standards have it. You know, excavation, uh, you know, con- con- confined suits, entry, uh, uh, fall protection. You name it, there's a whole bunch all right, we we went over this a couple of weeks ago. How about this? That confident person, what's their risk on these jobs? This is real, real world, world guys. Not in academia. It's real world. What's their exposure? What's their risk? How do we define risk? Risk is the probability of something happening multiplied by probability of something multiplied by the consequence, right? Fatality, catastrophic injury, environmental release, and the list goes on. Big book of boo-boos, what have you. No, that's what it is. Now, let's say... That you're in a state other than New York State, some of the other states there, where they don't prosecute anybody. In New York State, you're prosecuted, you're a competent person, you get someone killed or there's a catastrophic incident, there's a good chance you're going to be prosecuted better than anywhere else. I'll put it to you that way. So, uh, that's happened else, but mainly in New York. Okay, so what if that competent person screws up at your company, in your workplace? What happens to them? they just get fired they go to another business we've had i've ha- i'm known confident persons who may may have gotten chased out of the state now they have to work somewhere else totally out of the area where no one knows them kind of hard to do that nowadays with the internet so there's no risk to them the most that's going to happen to them is that they get fired right so my math says If there's, regardless of the probability, if there is no consequence for the confident person, they don't care. They're not even going to have a bad conscience. They're not going to lose a minute of sleep over it, and that's zero. So a number times zero is zero, right? How about a supervisor? I've had supervisors on construction sites as well as manufacturing facilities, Going out there and saying, screw the worker, we're here to make money. We got to get progress made. Don't care. That's the kind of workplaces that many safety professionals have to deal with. And that's what our purpose is here. What to expect? How do I manage that? Some of the feedback I got was, my God, Jim, I didn't understand that there was a system on how to handle people, and it's called having backbone with these folks. Not being an AH, not being a jerk, not being anything else, but just having being assertive, being confident in what you're doing and what you're saying, being a good listener, listening to the worker, taking things in context, doing a good, no fair job, and everything, and not le- and not letting getting upset, not yelling and screaming at people, facilitating learning, Rent set learning teams, and what this gentleman was saying, I heard him on a couple of podcasts. Good ideas, going out there working with people, being being their advocate. Often that doesn't work. They'll pay you lip service. Well, how do you manage that? What do you do? How do you protect yourself? How do you protect? Your employer. Does your employer really give a damn about safety? How many times you get brought into a safety situation? And it's like, oh, we don't care about safety. There's one company, Japanese general contractor. I'm not gonna mention the names the name, but it's a company you've heard of. All right? Can't comes in, oh we have a safety professional. Here, it's on paper. Here's the safety professional that that's responsible that, You're responsible for that. Don't care about safety. Don't care about nothing. I was on a job at a pharmaceutical plant, a very famous one. We had a guy cut all the locks out off of a lockout-tagout situation. Cut them all off. And you know what his reasoning was? The cost of the injury is less than the cost of us delaying the job. So I cut all the locks, and we did what we did wanted to do. Almost created a one hundred eighty-seven million dollar Viking funeral. All right, here at this facility, and compromise and possibly compromise uh, national security. At this, but you get you see where I'm getting. How do we handle this? And this is part of what the safety war is. How do we do this? We have a couple of things. You can look back in our archives here. Push back. Based by safety professionals, leadership, how to be a leader in your in, with you in, in your workplace, in your community. Trying to inspire people to be better than what they have. And the thing is this, there's a lot of safety podcasts out there that I don't listen to. I don't listen to all of them. There's thousands, hundreds out there because they're not for me because we're, I'm at a different point in my career. I'm at a different point of what I'm doing. Those are good for let's say you're up and coming. Some of those are good for if you're on the retirement end of your career. That's so what what it is. Just because you don't like something doesn't mean that other people don't find value to it. So what's my point here? I'll if I'm uh, I'll take the moniker shock shock Because I think it fits often based on the dictionary definition in the upper right-hand corner of my screen here. I'll take that. I'll I'll take that moniker on here. But what am I trying to do? I'm trying to get you to think. I'm trying to get you inspired. I'm trying to get you to lower the injuries in your workplace. I'm trying to get you to have backbone. Because I tell you what, if you're going to win over the people that I described these people, I'm sorry, psychopaths, in the workplace, non-so, right? And management will often support them, at least in the short term until they, uh, they, you know, they realize they have a toxic environment. You have to have backbone. They're gonna respect backbone rather than crumbling. So what's the first tool or tools in your bag if you're a safety professional? Know your craft. Be confident. Have your head held high. How you carry yourself. Talk positive. Care for your team. Care for the worker. Don't back down to the bullies in the workplace. Don't do it. Sometimes you're forced to do it. We get that. I get it. We've had to do it because, hey, we all have to collect the paycheck. We all have to do our what we have to do. But the thing is, you have to have, you can't be afraid of people. You can't be afraid of situations. Can't do it. You're going to lose that safety war every time. So that's my opening monologue here, rather lengthy one. And, uh, you know, and uh, now it's time for me to go and offend some people with our... Uh, Monday message to the Behavior-Based Safety World. This is Safety World, broadcasting, broadcasting to, to our, our brothers, brothers and sisters in the occupied territory of Behavior-Based behavior behavior safety. Safe. safety. Get out Get your out secret your decoder, decoder ring. Here is your nightly message. Human error is normal. Human error is normal. That's right. Human error is normal. And here we go. OSHA recordables, catastrophic losses, environmental disasters. You want answers? So do I. This is Jim Polzel with Safety Wars. That's my daddy. That's right. I get more comments. Who's that girl yelling, that's my daddy? Right? That's my daughter, Jessica. She'll play along as opposed to the boy who will not be named. So let's go on over to some ocean news, right? Let's, so we have what is called safe and sound week. And again, this is one of the ways we fight the safety war here. What's safe and sound week? It's to promote safety in the workplace where we've been, where we're going, leadership, everything else that goes along with safety, Because uh, as Jay Allen has correctly pointed out, maybe you need to go and see your marketing people to promote safety. Hey, this is what we did, toot your own horn. I have a buddy here, a friend of the program, Peter is his name, I'll use his first name. He was uh, hired by a company that had like an eight or nine TR IR rate construction company. And what he ended up doing was uh, they said, look, I can put together a system for you and everything else. And he, they put together a system where we could go. And it was real basic safety stuff. They got that TRIR down from like a nine down to a three. And what he did not do, young, again, you're young. You don't know. You think that people are going to be, it's going to be obvious that, hey, we put in these programs, these coaching, we did this, blah, blah, blah. And you're doing the safety, uh, what? no, just to say, whatever you do as a safety professional. Well, what do you think happened after three years? We don't need you anymore. What do you mean you don't need me anymore? We don't need you. We, you didn't do anything. So what ends up happening? He ended up losing the job. Oh, and by the way, they uh, had it built into his contract, an unenforceable clause in the contract that where he was going to get a percentage of the workers' comp rates. They didn't want to do that. They didn't have to pay, and it was like tens of thousands of dollars they never collected on it. But what the idea was is you have to promote safety in the workplace. Identify and be proactive on trying to manage people, how to do all this stuff, get your safety program going. That's what all this Safe and Sound Week is for this week in Erosha. If you need help getting your uh, safety program off the uh, ground here, Hey, give us a call every week. You know, it's not just one week a year. You can go any time of year, 845-269-5772, or Jim at safetywords.com. We'll go, no, we could go and uh, put together a system here for you and help you and coach you along here. So that's the safe and sound week uh, this week. Here we have, uh, and I might have covered these stories last week here Uh, but uh, we're going to go and cover them again. You'll hear them again. We're always getting new listeners and viewers. Inspection finds a certain steel construction company's history of of ignoring employees' safety requirements. Oh, by the way, I chipped a tooth today. I'm in a little bit of pain. So, uh, trying to get to a dentist. You may be noticeable on the camera. Despite an extensive history of serious and repeat violations dating back more than a decade, a Houston steel erect company again failed to correct fall protection system hazards. A federal workplace safety investigation has found. Investigators with OSHA discovered employees of a certain contractor lacked required fall protection as they worked on erecting a steel building in February 2023 and it was here proposed penalties $266,000. I have it right in front of me here. Citation, oh, oh, citation one item one, can't use portable ladders properly, right? Extension ladders, right? Well, that's ex- over three foot above the la- landing, eighty five hundred bucks. Here we go, a willful, serious violation because they were previously cited on this, not repeat, but it was, you know, I think they were cited on this somehow. Each employee in a steel erection activity who is on a walking and working surface with an un Protected side edge, fifteen feet, more than fifteen feet above a lower level, was not protected from fall hazards by guardrail systems, safety net systems, uh, personal fall arrest systems, position design systems, or fall restraint systems. One hundred thirty-seven thousand five hundred eight dollars. Now, what a lot of companies do to manage this type of thing. This is subpart R of the construction standard. What a lot of companies do for this is they just use the six foot rule In certain workplaces four foot because now all of a sudden, if you say 15 foot support R, all of a sudden everybody becomes an iron worker and the steel director on the site, even when they're not. So what often companies will do is they will say, hey, look, uh, six foot or more and that's it. You gotta wear fall protection or have something, something, right? Here we have Citation 3, Item 1A. This is a repeat violation, 120,000. Employees, this is 1926-453. Uh, this is uh, on uh, for a uh, lift here. Uh, employees shall always stand firmly on the floor of the basket and shall not sit or climb on the edge of the basket or use flanks, ladders, or other devices for work position. On or about February 3rd, 2023, on the southwest corner of a building where an employee was exposed to fall hazard while climbing on the midrail of an aerial lift basket to weld ankle iron onto a steel beam. That's outright, this is a common practice here. All right, uh, with this. Yes, even though they, you know, I mean, people say, well, I'm wearing fall protection. I can do whatever I want. It says here, right here in the reg, you shall not do this. for that. Again, who's in charge of that? The confident person or the supervisor. So, Guy falls, what's going to happen to him? Probably not much. Uh, Here we have 1926.453, right? A body uh, belt was not worn or a lanyard was not attached to the room or basket when working from an aerial lift. As of uh, January 1st, um, support support M of this part provides that body belts are not acceptable as part uh, of a personal fall arrest system. Okay, great. On or about February 3rd, on the southwest side of the building, two employees are exposed to fall hazard while welding angle iron onto a steel beam from an aerial lift without wearing a harness with a lanyard attached to a beam or a basket. And this was previously cited uh, for this uh, once, twice. Three times a lady. No, okay. Once, right, three times. So uh, going on, that was zero, but, you know, that was included in the previous citation. So now we're getting into, like, in September, we're going to be doing with the new OSHA citation uh, policy here. So all this stuff may go up. So for a grand total of $266,000, again, if you're interested in training, hey, we do it here, you know? Safety professionals are good at training, and I'm a safety professional. (laughs) What TV show is that from? what kids' show. I don't know. Uh, U.S. Department of Labor offered a whistleblower program webinar to educate Southeast uh, stakeholders and workers on federal protections. Uh, You can check the OSHA website for this. That's August 16, 2023. It's in their press releases. Uh, OSHA's whistleblower protection program enforces whistleblower protections of 25 whistleblower statutes. What I just found out is is that there is a whistleblower organization that documents this stuff. I'll be sharing some of their stuff. I might have it up here in the the thing right here uh, uh, tonight in the news. I I forget. I put this together before. Now, this is from a warehouse that is named after a river that you've all probably ordered something from, and out of Logan Township, New Jersey. What exit is it? I know, Joe Piscola. What exit is it? I believe it's exit 67 or 73. Logan Township. A federal workplace safety investigation has again found workers at an Amazon fulfillment center exposed to ergonomic hazards, this time at a Logan township facility. In response to a complaint, inspectors with OSHA of an investigation in January and found the company was exposing employees to ergonomic hazards. Now, if you recall in a previous case that we covered here on this program, this company was uh, involved in a major lawsuit up in uh, Washington state, because Washington has a state program that dealt specifically with this, ergonomic stressors. I'm trying to think if maybe that they were coordinating a little bit, or somebody at OSHA went and said, hey, they're having ergonomic stressors up there, maybe we should look at the ergonomic stressors here. I think that uh, might have happened here with this. So, no, no, no. Inspectors found the company required uh, employees to reform tasks leading to bodily stress that had caused or were causing and were likely to cause musculoskeletal injuries. These findings led OSHA to issue a citation for particular ergonomic hazards and propose a $15,625 in penalties and also issue a hazard letter. Now, this is what, my, what it is now. They issued them this. Right, citation, 15625 What if, what if the, uh, they come back and it's a repeat violation? You're looking for $156,000 in change in fines here for this. Right, it's not the, uh, this one. So what did they, they got am I haven't looked at, again, I don't look at this stuff, generally speaking. So, uh, They have a couple of citations here. Citation one, item one. 501 is a general duty clause violation. So uh, going in here, uh, written abatement certification is required. One, perform, and it gives you the instructions here, and they're rather extensive. We're not going to go through all of them. But uh, what do you need for a, Uh, General duty clause violation requirement, and I always look this up because I want to make sure I get this right every time this is like critical. The, employee, the employer failed to keep the workplace free of a hazard to which employees of that employer were exposed. The hazard was recognized. The hazard was causing or was likely to cause death or serious physical harm. And there was a feasible and useful method of, to correct the hazard. Those are the elements necessary for a violation of the general duty clause. So uh, when they cited them, OSHA goes through one, uh, they go. They went through here uh, with this employer. What they needed to do, they ended up with fifteen thousand six hundred twenty-five dollars. Now, they could go uh, uh, penalties here. Now, this is uh, what it comes down to. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bet money, and I'm, I'm gonna say this is gonna be contested because there are hundreds, perhaps thousands of warehouse facilities or distribution centers for this company in the country. They're gonna have to go through all of them and maybe modify what they're doing. It's a big deal. So I'm thinking that they're gonna go through and they're probably gonna contest this. I don't have any inside information on this or whatever, but that's what we're looking at because imagine having to do it to all of them, redesign all these things. It's a lot of money, guys. A lot of money. Department of Labor returns to normal workplace safety enforcement operations throughout Guam following Typhoon Mal- Mal- Malwar. From Dededo, Guam. The U.S. Department of Labor, and this is from August 7th today, uh, announced that OSHA has returned to normal enforcement operations. And uh, OSHA is now able to resume regular enforcement operations in Guam. We urge companies working in areas where the effects of Typhoon Mawar hit hardest to protect workers from hazardous conditions and follow safe work practices. Now, if you are an outreach trainer for the disaster worker, right, which I am, but this is important. You go and you print this out, and this is a handout, and in your introduction to the course, you show this, and... They have a similar one uh, for Florida and some of the other. You could go back looking for every time a hurricane hits. Last year was a hurricane. Was it the year before? I forget. They run together. But anyway, where OSHA suspends operations and they move into a more uh, consultant role for the major disaster. This is why it's important to have... Disaster Response Worker Training on this. This is basically it. No, basically it. This is why you have training and everything. I, that doesn't mean that, hey, it's a free-for-all with OSHA, and we can do whatever the hell we want. You uh, no workers, scoff, blah, blah, blah. That's not what we're talking about here. But they're not going to enforce certain things out there. There's fatality that will go and do that, what have you. So you, the worker, have got to go out there and have to go... And look out for yourself. Basically, that's what it comes down to. In a disaster scenario, you may not have any of the right equipment, so you got to be prepared ahead of time. This all goes into this, guys, uh, with this and right people. So that's why, again, you're that's part of the safety war. No, oh, and you yell at people. Yeah, guess what. Grow up with a deaf mother who's almost hard of hearing. You'll be yelling at everything, and you're working in an environment with loud machinery, and you have earplugs in. Yeah, you know. Anyway, uh, you're going to be uh, saying loud things. Okay, here we go. What else do we have here? Oh, let's go down. This is from the Straits Times out of Singapore. I enjoy reading this website, the Straits Times. I really do. Uh, th- because uh, more than a couple of times when their mom over there, Ministry of Manpower, right, that's their OSHA, Ministry of Manpower, mom, uh, they go out, uh, they, they when they, uh, a lot of these articles are written, right, when uh, mom issues like a press release or anything like that, they're really good press releases, they're really good and they're explained and they talk a little bit about HOP unknowingly because HOP is everywhere, you know? We all do HOP unknowingly. And uh, with that, so this is uh, their report. There is less uh, plastic littering the ocean than scientists previously thought, but but what there is could persist for a long time, a new study said Monday. The modeling study uh, let's see, we'll get to who did this. I estimated that pieces of plastic bigger than 25 millimeters make up over 95% of plastic floating in the ocean. That's one, right? That's a little bit over uh, one, how big is that? 25 mil, a little bit like an inch, right? While most plastic particles in the ocean are very small, the total mass in these microplastics is relatively low. the preponderance of uh, Larger floating pieces suggest that the total amount of plastic in the ocean is much lower than previously thought, according to the study published by the journal Nature Geoscience. I'm sorry, any plastic in the ocean? Instead, you go over to front of this program again. Uh, I my understanding is is that she does listen occasionally, or has listened in the past. Allison Teal of Naked and Afraid fan uh, fame. Uh, she has Allison Adventures' uh, Instagram page where she has a movie on the Maldives and the plastic pa- problem in the Pacific Ocean around the Maldives. And, uh, I mean, that's her, that's her uh, passion uh, issue out there. I tell you what, it's, it's horrible. Now, uh, we're going to talk about here. Where is that story here? Hold on. This is a related story here, and you're going to say, well, how is this a uh, related story here? We're talking about environmental safety here on this one, in case you didn't know. Uh, it looks like I erased it. Hold on. Let me get it back up here. Okay. there, and This is from NBC New York, and because we were not uh, – on the air for a good chunk of last year, last week, uh, we did not uh, cover this. A marathon swimmer from Manhattan is marking her biggest challenge to date. A complete lap around the entirety of Staten Island, nearly a 37-mile loop. Even more surprising that the swim itself may be the reason why she did it. So, what is her name? Uh, not in that article. Okay, her name is... Uh, this is what happened on July 9th. Leslie Hamilton voluntarily jumped into the New York Harbor to complete her next big swim. She said, and this is from NBC New York. She says she, she has swam in those waters plenty, and already knows what you're thinking. People are like, oh, she must have a third arm or three eyes. I was actually completely fine. I didn't feel sick after the swim. I made sure I, my tetanus shot was current. And uh, going on and on. She turned 31 on Monday. Uh, she uh, was the first uh, documented woman to do so. Uh, and th- this is not only on Seinfeld. There, there, no, people swim uh, uh, the East River. And there, There's like a contest all the time. Every year, there's a swim. I don't know if it's charity or not. My wife does not manage that, by the way. Okay, I've been around Staten Island multiple times growing up. And my father's 1974 Renkin, 19 and a half foot fiberglass boat, deep V, with a 70 horsepower Chrysler motor. So didn't go very fast, but it got we got one around Staten Island multiple times back in the 70s. And this article goes on to say, "Hey, we're better. Uh, no, we're it's better than what the 70s were and everything else." I tell you what, people don't realize how bad that body of water was in the 70s. You look at Ashley Teal's uh, Maldives uh, uh, movie out there with the plastics. That's what Woodbridge, New Jersey, C. Warren specifically, uh, on the New Jersey side of the Arthur Kill looked like. Carteret also, because of the Great Kill's landfill, washing everything out, and Jim McGreevy, who I will eventually get on the program, I think, uh, I keep meaning to give him a call. Anyway, he uh, uh, sued uh, when he was mayor of Woodbridge. He sued New York, along with other things, to get this whole thing to stop, which eventually led to the shutdown of Fresh Kills Landfill on Staten Island. And, you know, you could see it highest point on the eastern seaboard, according to some people. But anyway, uh, I mean, it was bad. I swam this parts of this when I was a kid, believe it or not. Uh, My brother's... Uh, We're out there in savelar inflatable kayaks dodging the tugboats back in the day. So I know all about, I I hear this story and I'm like, okay, they've cleaned up the river. Now you can see five or six foot down or seven foot down into the water. And now they're running stripers here. They're running all different kinds of stuff. Uh, Here, wildlife has returned. I still wouldn't eat the crabs. There used to eat the crabs back in the day. But they have blue shell crabs all over the place. Uh, You have derelict boatyards here. But you also still have a derelict boatyard loaded with old things that has been sitting there for 30 or 40... Sitting there for 50 years. I haven't seen activity there in 50 years. I'll be honest with you. Uh, One of my buddies from high school kayaks is here. So this is cleaned up. But I still wouldn't swim in it. I mean... Everyone who I know who has been a commercial diver in these waters, right? Every one of them eventually comes down with hepatitis. She says, Well, I got tetanus shot in honey, you better have let me tell you, you better have more than a tetanus shot out there. <laughs> believe me, I'm sorry. I don't mean to be offensive here, but you know. Okay, I'll be a shock jock and be offensive. Offenders. You ain't gonna need more than a tetanus shot there. I'm sorry, I don't believe it. You know, they still have uh, sewage there from the consigned sewage overflows and everything else. And which goes to our next story. Here we have, what the hell is going on in Florida? And this is all centered around where the Southern Command of Safety FM is down in Orlando. Leprosy. (laughs) Maybe a constant fixture in Central Florida. Leprosy, a chronic infectious disease that wreaks havoc on the skin, havoc on the skin, central nervous system that has become endemic or regularly occurring in Florida, according to the CDC. While leprosy is still relatively rare in the U.S., accounting for around 200 cases, cases nationwide, the number of cases has more than doubled in southern southeastern states in recent years, according to the new CDC report on leprosy in Central Florida. The state accounts for almost one-fifth of leprosy cases in the United States, and 81% of all the cases in the state are in Central Florida, including the Orlando. You hear me, Jay, uh, Jay Allen? Orlando, metropolitan area. How is leprosy spread? Leprosy is spread throughout through respiratory droplets exhaled by infected people or animals. Armadillos are a common source of the bacteria, Mycobacterium leprae that causes these infections, according to CDC. And historically, uh, cases in the U.S. have been traced to people They are able to do a contact trace to people who emigrated from or traveled extensively in countries where leprosy is more common, the CDC notes. But a growing number of cases in the United States are going on and on. How, is it treatable? What are the symptoms? Rashes on the skin that diminished sensation to test, touch, sort of like a neuropathy if you're similar to that. And what ends up happening is bacteria and slowly destroy nerves and muscles. And, I mean, it leads to amputations and things of that nature. You could go look that up. I mean, no, this is an ancient disease. It's, you know, biblical here. All right. Oh, um, okay, hold on. And right in the middle of the article, and this comes up, I'll pop up locker. All right. Uh, the report published by in the CDC Emergency Infectious Diseases, they do a case study on here. And uh, what you know, I, I don't know, uh, all these diseases are coming back, it's pretty fouled up. Uh, my mother has had some, uh, Experience with uh, these diseases uh, when she was in India during World War II as a refugee. We've covered her story here uh, in part uh, February of 2022. Uh, February 10, 2022. Yes, I'm opening up another can of soda. Uh, with this. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Anyway. Anyway. Uh <sighs> No, uh, all these diseases coming out uh, here uh, with this, but it's curable, which is good, right? Uh, this is from Singapore also. The the uh, Straits Times: Recent workplace fatalities are due to a lack of risk control measures individual negligence, according to Mob Ministry of Manpower. Uh, this is from an article from Akil Hamza. Uh, Recent cases of workplace deaths were mainly due to a combination of individual negligence and lack of risk control measures, said Mom on Monday. Urging employers to practice greater diligence and ownership over workplace safety and health, the ministry added it and will not hesitate to hold employers and individuals accountable for lapses. Maybe we can have one of our Singapore listeners come in here. Uh, uh, so, this is what it comes down to. They said lack of control measures at a demolition worksite led to the collapse of a wall, which killed a worker. In a separate case, the driver was fatally struck by a reversing wheel loader, had the right safety measures been in place, and had greater care been taken to ensure... Again, try harder. Try harder, ain't gonna get you there. Guys. Fellas. Right? Dudes. These facilities, fatalities, could have been prevented. Uh, da -da -da. So... The deal with the strike in workplace sets. Mom introduced enhanced enforcement measures in June 2022. Uh, They doubled the fines. Okay. Issued stop work orders. Uh, Now, this is what it comes down to. We know there's safety lapses. We have human error here. Again, what's our message from today? What's our message from... uh, This is Safety Wars, broadcasting to our brothers and sisters in the occupied territory of behavior-based safety. Get out your secret decoder ring. Here is your nightly message. Human error is normal. Human error is normal. Okay, if human error is normal... How, uh... Explain to me how are we going to hold individuals accountable for lapses? I tell you what, there was a, a job site in Central Jersey, and I uh, covered this uh, with friend Sutton. And his comment was that people that were psychologically damaged from this. We had a company that said so we're going to hold the employees responsible. This was a general contractor. I had a whole bunch of subcontractors. I was working with the subsurface contractor. There's an oil refinery. They made up these rules that were well and above of the OSHA requirements. So, for example, anytime you left the ground, you had to wear a harness and a lanyard. And you say, okay, six foot or higher? No, we had completely railed off areas that we had to wear fall protection on. We couldn't have, didn't have to use it. We had to wear it. They came up with this. So we're going to hold employees responsible. And they were against the employees rather than the employer. Convincing the employer, holding the employer responsible. So what do you think happened? They were yelling and they were screaming and they were everything else at the employee throwing employees out, throwing them off. Good workers held up the job, impacted the, the schedule and everything else. So what do you think happened? It took around nine years, a good eight years, for that facility to recover from that situation. This is why we will we'll circle on back to the beginning of our conversation tonight. This caused the safety professionals to be hated because, of these, because what happened is the people who were, came up with these rules, where were they? Sitting in the office, and they were all engineers. I'm not going to disparage engineers here, but engineering uh, philosophy is this. You have a problem with a process or equipment. You fix it, and you never have to deal with it again. So what do you think happened? Our problem is this person not wearing fall protection when he's six inches off the ground standing on a catwalk. That was their thing. We're going to fire that person. They created an atmosphere of fear. Intimidation, antagonism, and everything else. And by the way, I didn't. They didn't care whether these people got hurt or not. That was last on their. Li- they cared that they got hurt because it impacted their bottom line. Mainly, uh, they're being judged by their T R I R rate, and their bonus is uh, based on that. Right. That's what it really was. Why would you? Well, yeah, we're we're working safe. We got safety professionals throwing people off. Blah blah blah. And this is Guess what? You're not gonna get to where and get where you need to go. Did they prevent any injuries? The answer is no. Created a whole bunch of uh, antagonism. And again, let's talk about this with what the beginning was. And so we're gonna wrap it up with this. How? Well, if you're going to be dealing with people like that, how are you going to work with them? Nice. They're not fully self-actualized for whatever reason. In my opinion, I'm not a psychiatrist. They don't care about the people that are going on out there. They hate the safety. Per- how, how do we manage that? Being nice to them? Not having a backbone? Not knowing some of the ploys that they're going to go out there? When you listen to this program, you're going to listen. You're going to learn about it. Being nice, nice with some of these folks. Not going to get... Not going to get to where you need to go, which is lower injury rates, safer workplaces, positive workplaces. Then you're going to say, well, Jim, you're going to be there yelling and screaming at people? No, I yell. I, I yell only because, I, again, I work, live with a, a hard of hearing mother, and I work in a high, high uh, noise area. So you get used to talking loud. Yelling and screaming does not work. But having backbone. Just if you can have backbone, believe me, people are going to respect you more and it's going to be a safer job, so they're going to listen to you more. If you learn your task, if you learn your trade, you take notes. Where you can try to get along, identify and get along with the leaders. The leader, You can identify with the leaders, get along with them, and everything else will fall into place. That's basically what we're doing here fighting the safety war for safety wars this is jim polzel i will see you back here tomorrow uh with god's help obviously